welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary number 70 for Saturday the 14th of October 2017. And the observant among you will have noticed that I'm numbering the diaries now. This is episode number 70, which seems quite remarkable. Now, with the diaries, I started them way back last year, really as a test. And then I had a little break and then I thought, actually, I missed doing those. And I think I got some feedback saying, oh, I hope you'll continue the diaries. So I did. And here we are on diary number 70 already, which seems absolutely remarkable because on Monday, we're going to be up to podcast episode number 85. So the diaries are actually catching up with the podcast numbers too. So from now on, I will be numbering the diaries. This relates to some boring technical stuff in the background and some changes in the way that um, iPlayer, not iPlayer, what's the one that Apple does? Whatever Apple does, iTunes, that's the one. Uh, the one that iTunes does. Um, it's the way that they're they're doing their podcasts by season and number now. So I'm just changing slightly the way that I mark all these episodes. So it doesn't really matter. It just happens in the background. Okay, so let's um, get away from the boring technical stuff and talk about writing. In the past hour, is that right? Yeah, in the past hour, I finished writing my 5,070 words for the day. My work in progress is called Deleted. It's the first sci-fi novel I've written since I finished uh, The Grid. I've written uh, six thrillers in between. And I'm just going through that little adjustment stage where I'm going from thrillers to sci-fi. The writing was slower today. It wasn't hard, but it was slower um, in that I'm just... Uh, I'm really just adjusting to writing sci-fi again, uh, using tech. Um, it's just very different from writing thrillers. I say it's different from writing thrillers. I think my thrillers are quite similar to my sci-fi um, in that I have strong characters. I, I like to weave uh, quite a story, quite a lot of intrigue. You don't know who's a goodie, who's a baddie in the sci-fi, uh, same as in the books. I, I guess the difference is, is that in sci-fi, there's lots of tech and stuff that we can't quite do yet and this dark dystopian setting and background. Whereas in the thrillers, it's always modern day and current tech. Uh, that's certainly the books I write. And then the conclusion of a thriller, you generally find out who done it and uh, what their motivation was. And in sci-fi, generally it's more about finding out what the heck's going on and, and how it resolves. So there are many similarities, but the style in which I write for both is that I try and end each chapter on a question or a cliffhanger uh, to drive the action forwards and in each chapter I have three sections so in actual fact each section ends on a, a cliffhanger or a question or something that positively drives the action forwards which leaves you hopefully saying oh I need to read to find out what happens next and I do that and I have done since I started writing the books I always try to get that in to make people or to encourage people um, to read the things but as I say, it's going well. I'm really uh, enjoying it. I, I brought in, I had a little, um, I was watching telly last night and they put the, it's not called the Alexa, what's the little, the little Alexa, whatever the little Alexa is, the, the 50 quid one. There was an advert came on for that last night and I rushed into my study to make a note uh, because I thought, oh, I, I want to 
bring these devices that we speak to uh, I want to bring it into my sci-fi because I've got a lot of thoughts about this. this is what I love about sci-fi is I can take all these things about present day life and extrapolate them into a, a gruesome and uh, you know horrific future so I did that with Alexa today and really enjoyed uh, writing that. But I, I love the kind of tech element of writing sci-fi. And I love taking things that happen now and just, just moving them on a few notches um, into the future. Re- really enjoying writing the book. Um, interestingly today, I just wanted to let you know about this. Um, I had a little bit of um, limb discomfort today. So so I'd say it was in, in, in my wrists when I was typing. Um, and it slowed me down a little bit. So I'm finding that I'm, I'm rubbing my wrists now and just waggling my fingers around. And I, I, I do know I don't type properly. I'm not one of these professional typers. I one finger type quite fast, which is bizarre, really, because when I was a kid, say a kid when I was a teenager at secondary school, we used to have this thing that we called activities. We used to go and do activities. And one of the activities, I think, was candle making. And, and one that I did was typewriting. And all, all I used to do, we used to have, I mean, this is very, obviously, very sexist in the old days. This was in the, would have been in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 80s probably. And they used to have rows of typewriters, which is is where they used to do the secretarial training. And of course, that was split by gender in those days. Um, so actually, I suppose it was quite unusual that as an activity, I, I, I was allowed with a load of other boys to, to, to learn typing, but I didn't do anything seriously with the typing. I think all I used to do was mess around. And even once I put, do you remember caps that used to get for cap guns? Um, I remember once in that session, putting caps in, working out that if I press the key on the keyboard of the, of the typewriter, I might be able to make caps go off. And indeed, it worked, and it blew a hole in the ribbon of the typewriter. And I could always remember the teacher coming out of uh, whatever the stock room was at the back of the room, smelling, just sniffing and smelling. Was it sulphur they used to use in the caps? And me swishing it away so he wouldn't detect what I'd just done and wrecked a typewriter. Um, so that was misspent youth, because now I'm wishing that I actually did take the time to learn to type, because it would have helped me so much now. I'm uh, I'm writing. If only we could have seen the future that lay in wait. Um, so um, the bottom line of this story is is that I, I, I a little bit of wrist discomfort. I don't generally have limb discomfort when I'm typing. I do just very occasionally I do. But it is making me think, look, I've bought Dragon. I bought um, Dragon at great expense. I bought the course that the, the guy whose name I forget now, who, who does all the Dragon training, uh, the go-to guy, um, I've bought his course and I haven't done anything with it. It's just sitting there with the cellophane on in figurative terms. So... I am at some point going to need to tackle Dragon and I need to, to do this obviously before I start getting limb problems. But it is a, a a continual problem, I think, if you're writing a lot that you've got to watch this limb discomfort. So that's something else that just moved a little bit higher up, I guess, on the list of things to do. But uh, 5,000 words done again this week. Uh, very happy. The story's in full flow now um, and I'm feeling good about it. I know that the story's going to get written. I always have that nervousness when I start a new story particularly changing genre but I know this story is going to get written now I'm, I'm I'm into it enough now and I know I'll get to the end with this now there's enough intrigue and enough plot lines to take me through to my 50,000 words let's move on to general news then uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to just update you on I wasn't sure whether I'd updated you with them um I think one of the things I said a few weeks ago is that my wife's going to Berlin over half term and I I was considering writing for four or five days over that week to see what it would be like to write if I were doing it full time to kind of put my money where my mouth is. Well, um, 
one thing, as you know, one of the things I do is I sit and I plan quite a lot. And I, I sometimes look at the schedule and think, actually, there's a cleverer way to do this. And I, I just decided that because this, um, I'm jittery about this sci-fi book, um, I want to give my time, myself more time to think it over. So I, I just felt that I was making a rod for my own back. If I'd been writing a thriller, I think I probably would have done it. But because I'm writing sci-fi and I'm still adjusting, I don't want to commit myself to writing four or five days over a week and indeed my schedule didn't require it um so I've shuffled my diary and I'm only going to just write for two days over that half term week I'm going to have two marketing days and two writing days I was just looking at the schedule I thought this is crazy put really making hard work for yourself uh, particularly as I am nervous about that sci-fi book I don't want to paint myself into a corner with it by having to write too fast so um, I am chickening out on this occasion I'm not going to do it because I I just feel that it, it would I would probably come to a dead end or, or, or get stuck and I don't want to create that um, pressure for myself frankly and I don't need to uh, so I've chickened out of that that won't be happening um, the other thing I just wanted to make sure I'd updated you on I think I've I've told you bits and bobs but I don't think I've given you a final decision on this um, in that um, I was talking some time ago about giving a detailed breakdown of income. Interestingly, I had a mixed reaction to that. Uh, I had virtually as many people saying don't do it as people saying do do it. So what I've decided to do is is, is fudge it. I know um, Mark Dawson has started doing his detailed income reports. And I, I was listening to one of those thinking, well, if this is what people are expecting, this is just more work for me. This is a very detailed income report. And frankly, I don't have the time for it. So um, I'm not going to do a detailed income report. What I'm going to do is continue to do what I have done since I've been recording these diaries, which is to just let you know about the peaks of the troughs. If it takes a dive or if we get a good month, I'll let you know. I certainly won't make a secret of it. But um, my holding position always is, is it's not very exciting. I'll tell you when I get any level of excitement, either negative or positive um, with the income, if we have any nice blips that I need to report. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's chugging away. The income is chugging away. Uh, it has it has gone up. I mean, I'm probably earning a couple of hundred pounds um, a month now uh, uh, upwards with the books. And that's um, feels pretty secure to me. I'm making more book sales every day. Um, I have, I am using Amazon ads at the moment. And remember, I have put my prices up across the board. So I'm charging $4.99 for the books at the moment. And, and when I was giving you income reports previously, I'd got free books and, and 99 cents books and things like that. All my books now are priced at $4.99. So it's interesting that my income has crept up, even though I've bumped up the prices. Now I am doing Amazon ads at the moment. And I can't, I can't say to you that the Amazon ads feel like they're doing that much good. It's funny with these Amazon ads. Um, it's good, but I find them quite hard, quite hard to track, to be honest with you. Um, all I can tell you is that since I've been running Amazon ads, it feels to me like I'm shifting more books. And it does feel like I'm shifting some of the books that I'm advertising, particularly the nonfiction books and particularly paperback books. It, it, the Amazon seem to have boosted my paperback books. The Amazon ads have certainly boosted my reads again. So on the best month I had when I was over a thousand, uh, certainly it was dollars. I don't think it was a thousand pounds, but it was over a thousand dollars. And most of that was created from reads. And I would say that Amazon ads have made my reads go up and my paperback sales go up. But I can't say, well, it's sustained sales digitally, but I am, um, you know, my income is creeping up, but not in any exciting way. Um, again, uh, I've got lots of marketing sh uh, days scheduled for this quarter. Um, I need to do more work with the Amazon ads. Um, predominantly, I, I've, I've really pushed the Don't Tell Meg box set and the two nonfiction titles that I've got. 
um, and I am selling the box set. I am selling the Don't Tell Meg books as well. Um, but it seems to be doing best on the non-fiction at the moment. So I don't really have any conclusions to draw other than that it seems to be working. It's not costing me very much. I'm, I'm making more sales than I'm losing in, in expenditure on Amazon ads, but there's still more work on my part to do. So I just wanted to bring you up to date with that. And the other thing I just wanted to, to draw a line in the sand with, again, these are all things I've teased and mentioned and asked for your feedback on. I think it was last week that I said to you, that I'm thinking of just changing the frequency of the podcast for the first um, months in the new year, um, because I wanted to find the time to record some author uh, audio, and I'm just feeling really squeezed on time at the moment. Um, and I think I am going to do that. Um, funny thing is, um, I went through a little period when I started to think about this, where I was um, struggling a bit f for guests. Um, usually I have a nice long list of people that I want to talk to. And I got to the end of that list and it felt like a little bit of a struggle. And now I just, I can't stop the bookings. They're coming in, uh, left, right and center. So I'm actually booked up. I think, I think I'm booked up to, am I, as far as not a hundred, we're, we're nearly up to, uh, episode, no, episode 96. Yeah. Episode 96 were booked it in the can. Um, and, and I, and I've got guests for, for subsequent, uh, podcasts. So, um, I've got kind of wall to wall interviews coming up over the next few weeks. So it's going, it's going really well. Um, but what I am going to do, and again, I, I had mixed reactions to this, but most people said to me, if you need to take a break from the, the weekly schedule with the guests, then please do that. Um, I did have one, uh, one dissentry thought that it would, uh, you know, spoil the routine. But my, my feeling is, is that, um, when you've got a hundred interviews, if somebody discovers you, um, as, as a new podcast, they've got a lot of interviews to work through. I've got a good, um, assets, a lot of evergreen content now because I've built up all those interviews. And what I'm proposing to do is to just take a break between episodes 96. And then let me just get my, this is all planned out on the planner. As you know, I'm very organized with this stuff. So episode 96 is going to be Monday, the 1st of January. And then, uh, the next episodes I'm just planning on making monthly. Uh, and then in, in, in May, I would consider picking it up again. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I'm doing that. I mean, obviously, time is one of them. But I, I want the the diary episodes to sync up with the guest episodes. So at that point, it's I've all carefully calculated this. At that point, I will be on, I'll hit a podcast interview 100 at the same time as I will diary episode 100. So I will level up at that point. And then because of the changes that um, are being made in iTunes to the labeling, um, I then want to go, uh, I want to call them episodes uh, and, and then just clearly um, episode number everything. And the podcast diaries will be part of my episode sequencing. So it's really, it's also just a numbers thing, a little organizational thing for me in the background. I need to go back to the old episodes and renumber them and, and sort them out just to create this, this evergreen setting. Because when I did the diaries, I didn't know whether I was going to stick to it. The early diaries, I used to put them on the podcast interview page rather than giving them an individual page. I just got a lot of work in the background that I need to do with that to to sort it out so I think it's pretty likely well I, I'm telling you it's scheduled uh, on my schedule to have that gap so the podcast diaries will be every week they won't be interrupted these this diary that you're listening to that'll be every week you know right up to episode 100 that takes me into I think May something like that which is just after the last scheduled book I've got penciled in so that'll be my next thriller it'll take you up to the launch of my my next uh, thriller after that I haven't got a clue what I'm writing because I, I need to th think about the whole planner at that point um, so the diary 
diaries will be every week. You'll get these diaries every Saturday without interruption. It's just the interviews that will be um, sort of broken in terms of their rhythm, in terms of their routine. And then from the 1st of January, they'll be. I think they'll be the first Monday of every month until we get through to that first Monday in, in May. And then all the the diaries and the episodes are synced. We'll be on episode 100 of the guests, episode 100 of the diaries, and then I can move forward from uh, that point. So it is all carefully planned out, and there is method in my uh, madness, but I just want to give you plenty of warning that that's what's uh, going to happen. But you don't have to even think about it until we get to Christmas time. Um, I just wanted to mention also that John Cronshaw, who's one of the, the new authors that I'm following on this podcast, uh, he's an author that I'll have regular catch-ups with as he moves through his self-publishing career. Um, John has uh, now got his own podcast audio diary, uh, and I'm listening to that. He's pretty well uh, doing what I'm doing, but in a more polished manner than I do it. Um, and you can catch up with that at johncronshaw.com. Now, John is writing sci-fi dystopian fiction. So that's largely what you're hearing, but he's sharing what he's doing, what he's up to, how he's writing, uh, all the marketing stuff, the same sort of thing as I'm doing on this diary. So if you like that diary format and you want it a little bit more polished than I do it, then head for John's uh, website at johncronshaw.com. Uh, I've got lots of varied bits and pieces to share with you this week. I think it's probably going to be another half hour uh, this week. I just wanted to let you know that I've listed Burden of Guilt on Ingram Spark. And this is the first time I've been to Ingram Spark for some time. Now, the reasoning behind this is that I'm going to send Burden of Guilt to uh, Fort William Tourist Information Office and a, a cafe, the Bridge Cafe, which is at a place called Speen Bridge. And I have a scene in there in the book. These are just places I've visited in my past, places I've loved. And I just wanted to build some of these venues in. Now, what I was thinking is that I, I know from my experience with the with Scotland Secret Bunker, that there is an appetite for them being able to order in from, is it gardeners and whatever the other one is that you can access um, through Ingram Spark, through formal traditional channels. And so what I thought I would do preemptively with this book is I've put a, a slightly different cover on. I ordered that last week from Fiverr. And the cover is specially tailored for Ingram Spark in that it says about the venues. It says this book is set on the Caledonian sleeper train, uh, Speenbridge, Fort William, and something else. I can't remember what the other one is. So it's a specifically localized book cover for selling offline. And um, I've got posters, which are ready to go. They're in my bottom tray in my study at the moment. And so I just thought I'd, if, if the, if I can get the tourist office to stock it, they're not going to want to buy them through Create Space. They want to, they're going to buy their books as a book dealer would, would do. So I thought I'd better put those in Ingram Spark. Now, at the moment, uh, I got that completely free Ingram Spark charge you for the setup. And, um, they're running a promotion at the moment. They've got this code which will give you completely free setup on Ingram Spark, and it's completely free. Um, it's connected with the Indie Author Fringe, which is being held this weekend by the Alliance of Independent Authors. And if you insert Indie Fringe 17 into your Ingram Spark setup, you'll get it completely free. So, um, because that is completely free, I, I don't remember, I've done this before. I don't remember it being entirely 100% free. I thought it just gave me some kind of a discount before. I, I might be wrong with that. Um, so what I'm going to do then, because I've had this request from the secret bunker, I'm going to put my secret bunker books back on Ingram Spark so that the Scotland secret bunker can, can order them in at a nice, uh, discount. And I'm just, I'm going to change my attitude to those books. I'm just going to use them as loss leaders. So, uh, Secret Bunker, Scotland Secret Bunker, because they 
sell my paperbacks in their store. It's just a great way to get people into the grid and things like that. There's a natural audience in there um, to discover me. So I am going to start using those as loss leaders on Ingram Spark. The amount of money in it is is so small. I'd rather spend, I'd rather, I will make a tiny profit on them, whatever I, I price them at. Um, but I'd rather find a reader, I think. That's going to be my attitude to that. So I'm probably going to list those. If I get time, I'll list those this weekend. And I'm going to be using that Indie Fringe 17 code because it's going to get the setup for free. So if, if you were thinking about Ingram Spark, it's the perfect time um, to do it. It's well worth doing. So I'm putting them on Ingram Spark and I've price the books with the full 55% Ingram discount um, that, that people like to get. Now, I think it gives me, I don't make a loss on it, but it gives me pennies uh, profit. It's, you know, 30 pence, something like that on a book, um, which is why I say it's a loss leader. Um, but those versions of the book will have very strong links into the other things that I do. That's the other thing about it too. Very, very strong links into my other work uh, because I'm using it to find brand new readers. Um, so I thought I'd update you with that. Hopefully I'll get the secret bunker books done at the weekend uh, if I don't have any technical issues with it. A uh, couple of other things going on this week. I did my Borderlines talk last Sunday and I got the check for it today. So that was a paid gig and they, they always pay delightfully promptly at Borderlines. I do like prompt payers when you're self-employed. It's uh, it's nice when people just pay you straight away and you're not hanging around for it once you've done the work. So that check is all ready to be paid into my business account. Um, I enjoyed it. I find it a little bit, um, I'm sort of unhappy with me, I think, in that um, I had three hours and the range of people in the room was very, very broad. There were people there wanting to do uh, coffee table hardbacks with images in. A lot of people wanted to do illustrations and not many people writing uh, fiction. So I did feel a little bit stretched at the session because I don't, well, I have done illustrations in my nonfiction, but they're screenshots. They're not really illustrations. I'm familiar with all the principles that it costs you more. If you price at 30, so at 70%, you have to pay download costs and images, things like that. I'm familiar with all those things. Um, but I found that the, the requirements in the room were so broad. Uh, it's, it was hard to hit every point. So it was more of a frustration with me and my, teaching abilities I think my communication abilities that, that it was with anything else um but you know an interesting session I think people enjoyed it no, uh, nobody asked for their money back which is always a good sign and somebody posted on Twitter that it was uh, inspirational so what I hope I, I did was manage to leave people with um lots of useful information lots of next steps um and there was you know, there was one person there for instance who who was under the impression that you could take a book that had been traditionally published and just stick a new title on it and put it online. Um, and, and I explained the, the rights issues with that and that contractually, this person was probably uh, not able to do that. And you can't just take the book and just change a few words and be safe either. So, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the session, even though it was bad news, not the news this person wanted to hear, hopefully it at least put this person right so they don't go making a mistake in the future but um yeah there was a lot of um, stuff like that uh, involved in it so it was quite a testing session from my point of view uh but really enjoyed uh borderlines i do enjoy doing those talks it was it was good fun and uh the next one i've got is the 4th of november which is the society of authors and i've never spoken uh to the society of authors before they're going to be largely a traditional audience as to be fair well, actually, the, the audience at Borderlines wasn't wasn't traditional. They all wanted to self-publish. Um, but this is going to be a traditional audience at the Society of Authors in Manchester on the 4th of November. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll just have to see how it goes. I'll, I'll share 
what I can share and I'll, I'll learn from, from them. I think we all learn from each other in these environments. Um, and on that uh, topic, I mentioned, I think it was last week that I've been booked in for my first August 2018 talk. This is for the Histor- Historical historical um, Novel Society, and it's going to be uh, up in Scotland in August 2018. Now, the lady who invited me to speak at that event is Margaret Ski, who I met. This is like indie author, happy families, isn't it? I, I met Margaret at the Edinburgh uh, Amazon event that I spoke at uh, earlier on in the year I can't remember what it was now it seems like ages ago and um, Margaret's a lovely lady she's uh, we had a good old chat at lunch doing some interesting things so I, I interviewed Margaret for the podcast uh, this week I'd said when I met her in Edinburgh you know we need to talk and then when she contacted me to book me up for the talk I said while you're on let's get this sorted and get you booked in for a day um, so fascinating to talk to Margaret. Um, she's doing things differently. This is why I love talking to so many different authors. Everybody's got a different strategy, a different story to tell. And um, really interesting with Margaret is, is that she struggles with the technology. And so what she's chosen to do is she's actually placed her books, and I put this in inverted commas, traditionally, the digital books, because she struggles with the element of it, um, she's placed with um, a more traditional third-party publisher. And she's publishing, self-publishing the paperbacks because she's very confident of networking and, and going to talks and she can sell the paperbacks very easily at those events. Now, it's really funny because that's the bit that terrifies me. Margaret's quite happy um, sitting down and reading extracts from her book and that te- that prospect terrifies me. Um, even though I'm happy standing up and teaching to a, a class of people, reading my work um, horrifies me, the thought of doing it. But this is how Margaret's selling her paperback books. But what horrifies Margaret is the marketing that's involved in the digital books. So what she's done, and this is slightly reversed from what most of us do, is that she's outsourced that a bit and let somebody else take care of that. It's interesting. We had a nice little conversation because this is what I said about Bloodhound books, that actually I'm prepared to take a cut if if I can get um, some interest from a more traditional um, publisher. I'm interested to take a cut in what I earn because the pain that they solve for me or what I could learn from them is actually worth it. I'm paying effectively to learn or I'm paying for them to take some strain in my business. And that's exactly what Margaret is doing. Margaret doesn't want to do the digital marketing. She doesn't like it. She says she's not good at it. So she lets somebody take that strain. Instead, she does what she's good at, which is selling paperback books. And she sells a lot of paperback books using those traditional methods. So a really interesting interview. It's coming up later on in November. Off the top of my head, I think it's November the 20th, that interview. Um, but again, we learn something, I think, from every author. Everybody's got different approaches uh, to what we do. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is that I'm doing an author XP event uh, this week. It's a thriller event. And this is interesting because it's not one of these Insta freebie giveaways. Basically, I think it's 31 of us who've got thrillers. We all, um, um, people can win 31 books if they, if they win the draw. Uh, and basically, um, we all, the, the person who runs the event gets the emails and shares them with us. So the last couple I've done, I've had about six or 700 email addresses from these events and you pay for them. I think it's about 30, maybe $40 for them. And, and as I say, I've had several hundred email addresses from these. So I'm taking part in a thriller one at Author XP. I'll put the link on the resources page for this week. But if you haven't tried Author XP, um, I would give them a try. If you've tried Insta Freebie and, and done the book funnel kind of thing and you're looking for something new and you're looking for a place to find new subscribers, do a couple on Author XP, Authors XP. I forget what it is. I always, they all got weird titles, these things. 
Um, but I'll put the link on the resources page. Uh, give it a try if you haven't given it a try before. It's paid, but I've had good results from it. And they do promotions in different uh, genres. The other thing I'm doing this week is something I haven't done since I published the Secret Bunker and Grid books in that I've got Burden of Guilt listed on a Goodreads giveaway. Now, the giveaway is for four paperbacks and it's UK only, only because it costs me a fortune in postage if I do it in the USA. And I just decided not to do this in the USA. I may do one in the USA, maybe just give one book away in the USA just to keep the, the price down. I just wanted to re report back on that. I think it went live Monday, something like that. It's been only been live for a couple of days. And already I've got 127 book requests. Now, the, th the good thing about Goodreads is that what it does is when people see the giveaway, if they like the look of the book, they mark it as, I want to read this book. And, and their friends see that. And it just, in a very viral way, it gets visibility for your book. So I, I've always found it quite good. Now, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of having ignored Goodreads. I did promotions on it um, early on in, in my career. I also use Library Thing, by the way, which um, I haven't used now, but I might return to. Library Thing allows you to do digital giveaways for your books. Of course, the whole thing's a lot cheaper, uh, but it gets just as much attention as a, a Goodreads giveaway does. But the, the, there are side benefits from Goodreads. Um, and, and I'm doing all right on Goodreads now. I'm quite surprised at this. I've got lots of reviews, um, lots of activity, lots of friends, constantly adding friends. And to me, this is just a, a free way of people discovering who I am as an author. As as you all know, Goodreads is a huge reading uh, community. Um but I, I've probably ignored it at my peril. I've now got three Goodreads author profiles. I've done the nonfiction, the thrillers, and the sci-fi. I'll be putting a little bit more effort into just getting my profile sorted out on each of those. Um, but it's going well. It's another good uh, giveaway. I'm going to give away um, all of my thrillers at some point, I think. Maybe a box set of, of paperbacks as well. But it gives you a lot of attention for your books. And these are kind of committed readers. They don't tend to be uh, low quality freebie seekers as you can sometimes get. Not always, but you can sometimes get those on Insta freebie. Uh, so it's generally pretty good quality, pretty targeted readers. So I, again, I recommend Goodreads giveaways to you. Um, if you go to the website for the blog, for the podcast, I should say, selfpublishingjourneys.com, I've put the giveaway you'll see it in the top right hand corner of the site but i've also put the giveaway it gives you a little widget that you could use on your website a cut and paste code i've also put it on the show notes for this week's podcast diary so do check it out and see how it works it's very interesting and they've always worked very well for me when you list them in the states or you make them worldwide you get um several hundred people I i've gone for the um worldwide giveaways that i did i got over a uh, thousand. It was uh, possibly thousands, 1,500 people uh, requesting the books. So you've always got this, this balance. Um, I think when I did, when I gave away five books worldwide, it probably, you know, to be honest, it's not a lot of money, is it? Not for marketing costs. It, uh, it only cost, I think it cost about 30 pounds with the postage involved. So it's, it's not a huge amount of money, really, is it? But, um, maybe a bit more than that. And they all had to be boxed up and, and sent and all of that nonsense too. Um, so it's not a huge cost of marketing. So, you know, I've probably just talked myself on this diary to, to, to doing another international one. I maybe do it with the, the three paperbacks, the ones that I really want to get some traction with. Um, but I'll, I'll reconsider it. I'll let you know on, on the diary. But I'm, I'm thinking, don't be tight, Paul. You know, 30, 40 quid isn't that much as a marketing cost. And if you compare it with a um, a promo that I would do on free booksy or something you'd pay like a, a book bub or what I've just paid actually for Authors XP. It's actually quite comparable. So 
I think I've just shot myself in the foot there and convinced myself to do an international Goodreads giveaway uh, in spite of the cost. It's just another cost of business. And we have to get used to this if we're in business, which we are as authors. So uh, sorry for a little bit of a ramble there, but um, there you go. (laughs) An insight into the thought processes of an indie author. Um, Nearly done. Where are we? Just over 30 minutes with the diary. So I just wanted to mention a couple of people who have been letting me know where they're listening. Now, Patrick Sheriff, who is a listener to the podcast, Patrick has um, tweeted me, uh, do have a look at this. This is fascinating. If you want to have a look at how other people live, um, Patrick's in Japan in Abiko and he's done a lovely um, shot. Oh, it makes me want to travel, Patrick. Don't, don't send me pictures abroad because I just want to travel. I want to drop everything, put it in storage and go traveling. Um, but I still have a child at home. I can't do it yet. And that, but I desperately want to do this. Um, Patrick's in uh, Japan, in Abiko. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly, Patrick. And he's just taken a picture outside his dining room window. And it just gives you a sense of another place and another culture. And I want to be there exploring. Um, so thank you for that, uh, uh, Patrick. It's so exciting to me when people are listening around the world. It's just brilliant the way that we could do this with technology. And uh, Judy Corden. And, and Judy, when I was thinking about getting ready for this podcast, I just suddenly thought... It is Cordina, isn't it? It might be Cordina. I'm assuming it's Cordina, but I've, I don't think I've asked you about that. So if I've got it wrong, apologies. Put put me right um, if I've got that incorrect. But uh, Julie is currently, uh, looks like you're on safari or something, uh, Julie, uh, but it, it looks fantastic. Um, Julie was listening to my podcast interview with Amelia Hay, and you are, I've got to get the spelling right, at the Avani, Avani Resort. And where is that? In... Victoria Falls in Zambia. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, Julie's uh, got a picture of zebras. I mean, you look really close to those, um, Julia. I'm assuming that zebras uh, are tame and don't do anything unusual. No, camels can be a bit dodgy, can't they? But I'm assuming zebras are just like horses. And the resort looks fantastic. And the sky is blue. This is why I love foreign travel, you see. Because if I look out my window here in Carlisle, it's wet, rainy and grey. And I love blue skies. They're invigorating and inspirational. This is why I love travel. Anyhow, I can't complain because I'm going to Poland in a couple of weeks and I'm going to Spain before Christmas. So I shouldn't moan. I'm going to get my own fix of blue sky. So thank you very much for letting me know where you're listening. If you're uh, one of these silent listeners, somebody who's who's listening and you listen to all these people sending in these tweets and thinking, well, I, you know, I, I listen somewhere glamorous, but I'm a little bit too nervous to tweet Paul. It's great to know who listeners are, where you're listening. It's fantastic for me. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm not talking into a microphone and no one's listening. Um, and I love to see the pictures. They're fantastic. And I love to share them as well on the podcast diary. So if you've been waiting to share where you are, wait no longer. Get that camera on your phone, point it wherever you're looking at, wherever you are now, and let me see where you're listening to the podcast. It's fascinating to see these things. Okay, that's my news for the week. Thank you very much for listening. On Monday, we are at episode 85 already, which is amazing. And I'm speaking to Craig Martell. Now, Craig is one of the 20 Books to 50K crew. He's the organiser of the event that's taking place in February, the must-go-to event. If you're sitting on the fence still with this, get your ticket booked. Um, I have a little sneak peek at this in that I helped Craig to do some technology in the background. He was having some problems um, with the technology, and I set it up for him in the background. And just by complete coincidence, I get to see who's coming. Now, I'm not going to share that information because that's confidential, but I can tell you it's filling up. And if I were you, I know that in the UK event, um, they've got no um, room for manoeuvre in the UK. So once the seats are gone, that's it. It's hard luck. And I know I keep telling you this, right? Go to this event. 
if find the cash, you know, sell a car. Well, don't do that. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take any notice of me. But you know, try and get to this event. It's not that expensive. It's hundred and what is it? Hundred and sixty-five is it for the event for a two-day event? Um, going to be some brilliant networking. You make great connections there. You're going to find out. Uh, how people are doing it who are really shifting a lot of books. You'll get to sit next to six-figure authors, as well as authors who are where you are. I've seen the list. I know that there are six-figure authors there. Um, you're going to get loads of networking. We'll all be chatting with each other. It, it's the place to go. It is the indie place to go. It's in February. I'll put the link on the show notes this week if you haven't booked yet. But please, if you're on the fence, book your ticket and get there by hook or by crook. The whole thing is going to cost you... Five hundred pounds. Okay, now you know I've paid five thousand pounds to be at three day, uh, four day internet marketing events in my past. You can put it through the business. It's a business expense. It'll, you know, stop you paying some tax. Again, um, this is not financial advice. Talk to your accountant before you do all of this. Make sure it's all, uh, you know, legitimate, as I will do as well. Um, but um, this is a business expense. But that event is going to be the must attend indie author event. Anyhow, that's a long way of saying that Craig Martell is the guest on Monday's podcast, episode number 85, Monday the 16th of October. He'll be talking about the London event. So again, if you are on the fence, listen to what he says. He'll give us a teaser of what's coming up and why you need to be there. Uh, but Craig's doing some great things. He's got a gr- brilliant story about self-publishing, uh, making a lot of money um, in indie publishing at the moment. And if you want to learn how he's doing it, catch up with that interview on Monday. I When am I writing next week? Let's have a look at the schedule. Oh, I don't... Oh, I might have written. A um, bit of a funny diary. I'm either going to write on Thursday next week or Saturday. Uh, and if I'm really cooking on gas, I might even write on both. But it's unlikely that I'm going to write on both. Probably going to write on Thursday. But my um, i got a bit of a flexible feast next week. So it'll be Thursday or Saturday. But hopefully when I speak to you next, I will be at 15,000 words in my latest sci-fi book, Deleted. Whatever you're doing next week as an indie author, I hope you have a great week. I hope it goes well for you. I hope you make more income and I hope you get those words written. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.